Welcome to Hidden Messages. So welcome back to Hidden Messages. Hello. Hello. We have gotten a request from one listener. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Who's asked that we talk about movie adaptations, which we did uh, an episode about it over two years ago. I was looking back through our archives. Movie adaptations from popular books. From books, yeah. And I think we talked about like Sense and Sensibility and Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, we've talked about this before. Some other stuff. But we got a request from one listener who wanted us to talk about movie adaptations again and specifically mentioned Emma, Jane Austen's Emma, and also the new Netflix series Anne with an E, which is based on loosely L.M. Montgomery's Anna Green Gables series. Yeah, so let's start with Emma. If you don't know Emma, it is one of Jane Austen's books. It's been re- it's been adapted loosely or made into a film numerous times. Oh my gosh, years. when I saw the Wikipedia entry for all the adaptations, <laughs> I was like, okay, I uh, have not seen all of those. Yeah. But, but in, in just 1995 and 1996 alone, just those two years, there was Clueless... There was the Gwyneth Paltrow Emma, and then there was the Kate Beckinsale Emma. Which is the BBC interpretation of Emma. But those three all came out within the span of one year, essentially, between 1995 and 1996. So I, I, I usually spend a lot of time, and I will spend a lot of time, watching things that are from Jane Austen. And particularly, there's so many either miniseries or movies adapted from either Jane Austen's life or her books. For whatever reason, Emma is really popular amongst movie people and TV yeah, people. Yeah, like Northanger Abbey doesn't have 20 different adaptations. No, I think there's like one. And that was a recent one mm-hmm. that was done. Or even Mansfield Mansfield Park, Park yeah. had a really good one. No, I'm saying, but they don't have like 20 different no. adaptations, right? No. Emma has like literally 20. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. So um, <laughs> the other famous book of hers of course is Pride and Prejudice um, and Persuasion which is my favorite yeah. I think I've talked about Persuasion yeah. before but Pride and Prejudice is probably what she's best known for and there's there's that really steamy Colin Firth adaptation from the BBC that happened oh, the like six hour miniseries with so Jennifer took, Ely yeah, yeah it took it took place that was oh, 1996 as well I, think. I know I can't yeah. believe it's so far away in the past I feel mm-hmm. like it just happened. But Colin Firth is much older now when I saw it. I was like, oh my gosh, he's not yeah. Mr. Darcy anymore. He's very, very different looking. So Though he did play Mark Darcy. He did. In Bridget Jones' Diary. In Bridget Jones' Diary. <laughs> so there's different spinoffs and there's different kinds of loose adaptations of Jane Austen that has happened. And there are all the Bollywood versions. <clears throat> oh yeah, that too. But in particular with Emma, not my favorite Jane Austen novel. I will say she's not a very likable character. There's nothing very particularly deep about her personality or what she learns. It's I can't say that there's a real moral behind the story either. It's not really she doesn't really learn anything. There's a little bit of that, but it's fairly a sarcastic look and poking fun of social class and the whole marriage market that Austen often uses as material for her books just very critical about how society views marriage and the whole game of marriage and particularly in the, the marrying for money marrying versus for money marrying for love and sort of in in the upper echelons of society where she saw things from 
a pretty lower ranking because her family wasn't wealthy. They often had a, to struggle and move around quite a bit. But technically, she was a gentlewoman. So she saw a lot of these things kind of happen. And Emma's is a little... It pokes fun at it. But, but do you think that's why she wrote Emma as a kind of annoying? <clears throat> because Emma is of a, a higher cast, yes. basically, than Jane Austen was? She's very frivolous. And so she's, she's very She's almost kind of like poking fun at the people who are more aristocratic than she was, or perhaps. No. Yeah. I, I mean, her entire life is consumed with matchmaking. Anything she can think of, and her father, who is very, very silly... And who's a hypochondriac and worries all the time and stays at home. And all the characters are pretty much the ones who have money or are tied closely to money are put in a very negative light. So people like Emma, the only person that, that doesn't quite hit on is Mr. Knightley. Although technically Mr. Knightley is not all that smart if he's going to go for Emma. In the end, he does choose her. And he's also very much older than Emma. Very much older. Very much older. Which he's 37, 38. She's 21. She's 20, 20. or 21, something it's, like that. It yeah. was common then. And I think we were joking earlier about like Jane Austen having some weird thing about older men. Because oh, yeah. in Sense and Sensibility, yeah, yeah. Marianne also ends up with Colonel Brandon, who is significantly yeah. older than her. I don't know. Maybe she had a thing for older men. Who knows? I mean, in the adaptation, it's Alan Rickman, so I don't know. So. I, I, I would not say <laughs> Rest no. in peace. Rest I would in not peace. say no Rest to in peace, Brandon Nate. and Alan Rickman. Rest in peace, Nate. But for a lot of it, it's the, the characters who have to struggle because of money and understand the realities of either working for your living or having been kind of dropped down in societal rungs because of lack of money. So Jane Fairfax is a really great example of, I think, someone I think Jane Austen would have probably had more in common with than Emma. So Jane Fairfax is a character who appears and she is the niece of oh Miss Bates. So Jane Fairfax is the niece of Miss Bates. She is kind of a spinster woman. She never got married. She used to be wealthy and then no longer is. Because, of course, your wealth is really tied to men in your life in that, in that society. So either her allowance was cut by a male relative who was in charge of her money or something fell through. So Miss Bates is Emma's plaything in the book. She often makes fun of Miss Bates. And Miss Bates is known to talk a lot and say very silly things. But she doesn't mean them in any harm. Like, she's not a malicious character, but Emma toys with her quite a bit. And so Jane Fairfax... The whole time, of course, and if you haven't read Emma or seen Emma at this point, there are spoilers. I'm just going to talk about it pretty bluntly. It's been so. out for a while. I know. You've so, got a <laughs> you know. So, Jane Fairfax has been secretly engaged to Frank Churchill for a while. And so, when she comes to the town, she has to keep everything secret. But in the meantime, everyone thinks that she is looking for a job as a governess. And there's some pretty scathing things said about the post of a governess and the role of a governess in that society. It was one of the few jobs women could get. And usually it wasn't seen as something desirable. You usually went well, yeah, and lived with Emma's a rich family. Governess right? leaves in the very beginning of the book to get yes, married to Mr. Weston. To get married to Mr. Weston. And that's a very unusual, but very high match for a technically governess. for a governess. Yeah. 
So there, there's not a lot of... It's interesting the way the people without money are portrayed. Now, Mr. Elton, who is the pastor of the neighborhood, he is looking for upward mobility. And he's trying to marry a rich woman, which, you know, he tries to go for Emma, but ends up going with the woman he does find who becomes his, her, his wife. And she comes from a lot of money. So that's how he ensures his future. So money is a big thing. Status is a big thing. And particularly with Emma playing with other people, she plays with her, she kind of like adopts. Harriet. Right? Harriet, yeah. Who is, no one knows where she's from in terms of her parentage. So there's there's a mystery around that, right? So Emma pretends like, oh, she might be the daughter of who knows who, right? Mm-hmm. But she doesn't really have any family ties. She's not particularly well educated. She doesn't come from, she doesn't have a lot of personal money. So Emma adopts her into her little project. Now she could have married a farmer in the neighborhood who really took a shine to her, except that the Martin sisters and Mr. Martin are not good enough for Emma. Oh yeah, like Emma's just decided you should turn that down because... So, of course, comedy of errors ensues, and there's all this stuff and matchmaking gone awry, and Emma eventually finds out and discovers that she can be really nasty. She tries to improve herself, and then Mr. Knightley, of course, falls in love. Well, he's always been in love with so, her. Do you want to talk about the adaptation? Yeah, piece? I just want or to... You, okay, if I quick sum up. Yeah, if I do the quick sum up, then you'll see the differences okay. between the adaptations. So, Emma, in the end, learns her lesson, kind of, and ends up becoming Mrs. Knightley and takes over. Well, and Harriet ends up with... With Mr. Martin. Yeah, Yeah. that she, that Emma encouraged her to turn down. So the first adaptation we're going to talk about is the BBC adaptation, mainly because it's, it follows really closely to the text. Yeah, I actually, I don't think I'd actually read Emma before, so I started reading it. I didn't finish it, but my immediate reaction to watching the Kate Beckinsale BBC version was like, wow, this is like the book word for word like it's it's actually just a scripted yes. version of the book and the bbc is <laughs> like... really good at that their adaptations don't stray far from the original source material i liked kate beckinsale in it she comes off as kind of flippant but not too malicious like she's just really totally unaware of other people's feelings but she's not mean about it you know she's just that she's spoiled and she's grown up that way and that's just the way she is she's of course young enough in the this is one of her earliest roles i think before this she had only done much ado about nothing yeah so she but was close this to this was like before age. shooting fish before underworld all the other stuff yeah and mark strong plays mr knightley which is hilarious because i when i was watching it i was kind of like that guy looks really familiar <laughs> And it's, it's kind of weirded me out. And then Debbie was like, yeah, it's the guy from Kingsman. And I was like, oh. And then like the whole time, the whole movie, I just couldn't stop thinking about him uh. blowing himself up in the Kingsman movie. So Mark Strong has been in a lot of different things. I really liked him in other movies. So I, I don't associate him only with Kingsman because I've seen him in other stuff too. I really like him as Mr. Knightley in this adaptation he pr- he you can presents. tell he's balding in the movie, though. You can tell he's old. Like, yeah. No, no, no. In this movie, oh. in the old movie, you can tell he's yeah. like starting to recede a little bit. Doesn't matter whether he's hair or not; he's still pretty hot. But the <laughs> idea is that he presents a much more serious side to Emma's naive, supercilious. 
He's kind attitude. of self-righteous, though. He's a little but bit. But that's Mr. Like... Knightley is kind of self-righteous, right? I don't know why he falls for her and why he loves her, other than maybe he's like the she's the only female that's been around his life in the in the twenty. Because well, they're like radius. neighbors, right? They're neighbors. <laughs> yeah, they live next door to each other. I, I just think their their pairing is highly suspect. I never understood why they got together. But again, Jane Austen's clearly making a statement about stupid rich people. So that was the BBC adaptation. I, I mean, it's it's good. I thought it was really good. It's really good. Yeah, I thought it was really, really good. I like the casting. Um, Harriet's cast really yeah. well. I like Elton and, and uh, Mrs. Elton, the way they're portrayed. Miss Bates is there. Jane Fairfax is actually played by a really, really young Olivia... She's in Rushmore. She plays the teacher. In oh Rushmore. yeah, I don't remember what her name is, but yeah, the 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 teacher that Jason Schwartzman is like obsessed with in Rushmore, which Debbie's yeah. gonna find out exactly. Hold who on, that I need is, to find but... her name. Olivia Williams. That's yeah. who she is. She's a really young Olivia Williams, and she does a great job as Jane Fairfax. I think her scathing undertone and yeah. kind of biting comments about being a governess or having to look for a governess or trying to push aside Mrs. Elton when she's trying to find her governess post is really interesting. A lot of like the subtle looks across the way with Frank Churchill, like a lot of unspoken communication is done really well. Well, I feel like in general, the, the BBC adaptation captures well, sort of that blend of drama and comedy and the pacing of yeah the book that you know, it, it's not like sensational or super fast paced or fast cut. It's kind of like a little bit of a slow burn, but not like boring, you know. And No, because it's not, yeah. an, Emma is not an action film. Yeah. It's kind of slice of life. No, but you know what without, I'm saying? Yeah. Like sometimes people, when they movie up stuff like the Leonardo DiCaprio, yes. Claire Danes, they Romeo and Juliet, they try to make too, it like a mu yeah. music video. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, even though... The actual story isn't that fast paced. They try to like fancy up the the editing process and make it yeah. look all weird. And like I feel like they do a good job of really just kind of yeah, no fancy camera the, angles, yeah. no fancy editing, no yeah. fast cuts. It's yeah. just very it's very BBC. Yeah. It's very which is respectful good. in of this cast. respect. Yeah. I think so. So if you haven't seen that version, see it. There's an older version of a BBC Emma that I also watched. Oh, it's, I haven't seen that It's one. very old school. Like from the 70s? BBC or from the 70s. The production value is not that great. It looks like it was shot in some living On like a video room. camera, video no. videotape or it, something? Well, no, no, no. It's more that the sets look really fake. Yeah. And it's like all this like indoor set stuff. And it's just, it's all this. When you see it, you, it's very dated. And mm. it's way too long. So I think the one that they did in the 90s is a much better version. What do you think about the Amir Heckerling Clueless adaptation? Well, let's talk about... Oh, you want to talk about Gwyneth Paltrow? Yeah, I don't really remember that one. I, I actually saw oh, it in the times. theater, but then I, I don't think I've seen it again since I saw it in the theater. And that was kind of the beginning of Gwyneth Paltrow and her kind of tie with her British accent. People were like, oh, oh yeah, so awesome. Because, I mean, she did spend time... Which initially... I remember seeing it and thinking that her British accent was pretty good, but then after a while, when I like studied abroad in England and stuff, then I was like, oh yeah, actually her British accent is kind of terrible. But it's possible, it should be better because she spent she spent yeah. more time there. I think it should be better than yeah. it is, but yeah. But the the Hollywood version. So what if Paltrow is Emma? 
Jeremy Northam is Mr. Knightley, which also great casting. <laughs> Another favorite of mine. He does a much sexier version of Mr. Knightley, whereas Mark Strong does a much more stern and backbone of iron kind of Mr. Knightley, but with like steamy undertones. <laughs> Mr. Knightley with Jeremy Northam is just like, I can see why you would want to go for him up front, right? But the age difference is not quite there in the Emma, in the Gwyneth Paltrow version because she doesn't seem that young yeah. and he's not as much, as old he as he's in as the old. book. Yeah. yeah. Interestingly, um, Harriet is actually played by also a very young Australian actress. Oh, Tony Collette. Oh, okay. Tony Collette. So in in this adaptation, Tony Collette plays Harriet, and it's really she's very young in it. I, th- I don't know if this is before or after she did that ABBA Australian ABBA movie. I was movie. just trying to think about what the name of that movie was. I loved that movie. I can't believe we were like to- it's, this, is, this only happened. We used we- to watch like Australian Muriel's comedy. Wedding. Oh, Muriel's Wedding, yes. So, um, Tony Collette plays Harriet. Alan Cumming plays Mr. Elton. Oh, he does. You need to see. The Maybe we need to see this again. I I got it out of the library, there but we a- actually haven't rewatched it yet. So I've seen it a few times before, and I really love Alan Cumming. I Mr. love Tony Collette and Alan Cumming. I think Tony Collette great. plays like the. Oh, what should I do, Emma? Oh, I, I'll trust everything you say. <laughs> Big-eyed, naive, like, she does it so well. She's so good in She's everything. She's so good at being airheaded. It's so funny. Greta Scotchy plays she Jane? the... Or, um, not, um, is no, she Jane? No, no, she plays the governess, Mrs. Weston. Oh, okay. At the beginning of the movie. I like her, too. Yes, and Ewan McGregor plays Frank Churchill. Oh, you would make records. So the cast too? is fairly well known. There's okay. a lot of like I do not remember any of this. <clears throat> okay, cl- okay, you don't remember any of this. Juliet Stevenson plays Mrs. Elton, and she does a fabulous Michael Palin job. in drag. Yes, she does a fabulous job. Anyway, okay, so that's the cast, right? There's also a version of Emma with Romola Garai that's like later. That was a very weird version, too. That was a more recent one. That like, was a more recent uh, one. Maybe like 10 years ago or yeah. something like that. One of the Paltrow is the most famous version of it. Out of the entire cast, I like her the least, but I think you're supposed to like Emma the least. Well, you said you don't like the character, so that yeah. kind of makes sense, right? She, she has just the right blend of super annoying, and and yet you, you, can, you still know that her life is kind of perfect, and you hate her for yeah. it. Right. So in that sense, like, I think going to the Paltrow does a good job. because You're just like, oh, you're so I'm not going to buy your goop stuff. Yes. (laughs) She didn't have goop back then. So goop is like a symptom of like, (laughs) she's, I don't know if she lives her life like Emma, but it's, I feel like if Emma actually lived in the real world, she would have started goop. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the, this is very much more Hollywoody. They take, definite licenses with specific timing and conversation and it, it's much more fast-paced than the BBC adaptation mm. it's more stylized there's lots of like the even like the beginning intro with they have like um, a paper mache earth like a little village globe and oh. they tell the story of like 
where Emma comes from. Kind of like the beginning of Black Panther where they have the Wakanda thing. Kind kind of, of. but with paper mache. And telling all all the people in her village and who love her and who have grown up and seen her grown up. So it's a very interesting thing. I will say that the scene at Strawberry Hill when they go and Mr. Knightley invites them up to taste his strawberries and Emma makes fun of Miss Bates. Mm-hmm. is much be- much more better done uh, in the Gwyneth Paltrow version. Oh. It's much more biting and scathing and mean because when Frank Churchill played White Ewan McGregor and kind of eggs, eggs Emma on and like kind of teases her into, ma- pressures her into making fun of Miss Bates, you can see how she really doesn't understand why what she said was wrong. She's mm. just having a really good time. And then you see everyone else's reactions where they're just like, oh my I God, like I can't believe A lot of Jane Austen humor revolves around lack of self-awareness. Yeah, she really is. She just, she totally puts her foot in her mouth and she doesn't even know it. Frank Churchill, he's just like gleefully watching the fire burn. And Mr. Knightley's just like so pissed off. And Jeremy Northam does a really good, like, the, the most famous line from that movie is, like, very badly done, Emma. Badly done indeed. And then he walks off, right? And she's in tears because she doesn't understand why she just got yelled at. Because she doesn't understand... She would she doesn't know how to empathize or sympathize with somebody who perhaps doesn't have so much as her. So I think that scene was better done. The BBC adaptation one, you're just kind of like, uh... But I guess the heightened drama in mm-hmm. the Gwyneth Paltrow version, I think... It makes it much more interesting. And it makes her fault and her kind of lack of awareness all the more of a huge flaw that she has to overcome. Mm-hmm. And she eventually does. And I will say there's a much more comedic version in the Gwyneth Paltrow one where she finally does figure out, oh, I do love Mr. Knightley. Because she's walking back and forth in the garden. She can't mm-hmm. figure out what's going on with her. She's just like freaking out. Harriet's nowhere to be seen. She thinks Harriet's in love with Mr. Knightley. And so she's like talking to herself. And so you hear her her voice over saying things like, Oh, I hate, I love, I must love Mr. Knightley. But I hate Mr. Knightley. No, I love Mr. Knightley. And it's like all this music. <laughs> so in that sense, it's very funny. And that wasn't really in the end of the BBC version. Mm. It's very much straightforward. So... I can see people really liked the Gwyneth Paltrow version. I think, if anything, that's the most classic American adaptation that I think most people know of. But what about Clueless? Clueless is far better than either of those adaptations, I think. If anything, it captures the spirit of the book way better than the other two movies. Well, and also some of the ways that it translates it to modern life... It's very clever. It's brilliant. I think. So, Clueless... Like, like when we were watching the BBC Emma version, I kept thinking about all of the parallels to Clueless and being like, oh, that's why Amy Heckerling does... Oh, that's why... You know, it just kind of... It all kind of came together and I was like, wow, they really thought that one through, I guess. It's really, really, really cleverly done. So, Amy Heckerling, if you don't know, is directed... Fast oh, she's times, so brilliant. Fast Times at Ridgemont High, she Johnny Dangerously, Johnny European Vacation. She did the Look Who's Talking movies. 
she then kind of dropped off the face of the earth and then she did this horrible vampire movie later but (laughs) whatever um but yeah she did clueless which is really good which is really really good and so clueless instead of emma you have Cher. And Cher is played by... Alicia Silverstone. Alicia Silverstone. Josh Rudd plays... Mr. Knightley. Mr. Knightley. Although in the in the movie... No, uh, it's not Josh Rudd. It's Paul Rudd. He Paul plays Rudd. Josh. Sorry. He Josh. plays Josh. I got Josh. The character's name is Josh. The actor's Paul Rudd. Sorry, I got them all conflated. Yeah. So Josh is played by Paul Rudd, who is the Mr. Knightley character. But in the movie, he plays kind of her stepbrother. Well... Not yeah, related, but but that's why I thought it was kind of interesting because yeah. in the in the Emma BBC version they kept talking about how they're like brother sister, but they're not really ha ha ha. And then well, and I just this remember, creepy thing, right? So, well, like, yeah. So in the book and they and in the the other two, they always keep this line in where. Mr. Knightley held Emma in his arms when she was a baby, when he was... Oh, yeah, he keeps bringing that yeah. up, which I was like, don't bring that up. Well, because he's so much older than right. I think he was No, like, no, no, but don't bring it up. Obviously, it's true, but... Clearly, age like... is not a problem back with them back then. So he says, like, oh, I held you when you were just a baby. I can finally hold you. I can hold you again now, or whatever. So One of those gross. lines. There's also a line where he said, where um, he asked her to dance, and he says, well, you and I... Can surely dance together. We're not, we're not brother and sister that we can't dance together. And then Emma looks at him and she's like, brother and sister, surely not. And then yeah. she dances with him. Okay, a lot. There's a there's creep factor enough in our modern day interpretation of whatever's going on with our age difference. There, I would call it kind of grooming, but far be it for but, me. To but but then that. it makes more sense because I remember watching Clueless because when I watched Clueless in the 90s I hadn't read Emma and I hadn't actually watched the Gwyneth Paltrow Emma yet I think. Um, I don't know they came out the same or no I think the Gwyneth Paltrow Emma came out the year after or something yeah. but I always thought that was kind of a weird thing I was like why? Yeah why, why is, is Josh... Josh like her kind of not brother and all that but then when you think about it yeah. it makes sense in terms of being an adaptation that they bring in that weird dynamic. Yeah. And that he's always around, right? Yeah. Mr. Knightley is constantly over. Well, not just Emma's not just house. that he's there, but uh, that they actually use the term brother and sister. Yeah. That, like, at one point, Josh says, like, oh, you don't need some brother, brother type, type hanging yeah. around. And he's like, you're not my brother. And, like, so they have yes. to, like, bring yes. it up, but then dismiss it also. Yeah. There's so many great characters in Clueless. I can't even begin to, like, there's so many. I mean, okay, so Stacy Dash... No matter what you think about her politics and her weirdness now, back in the '90s, she was still fun, and she plays she plays Cher's best friend, and then there's Dion, and then there's also Elton, played by the guy from Suburbia. From Suburbia, I'm so glad, and he's also in for a long time Law and Order. Oh yeah, Yeah, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, and then uh, Harriet is played. Well, they changed Harriet to. Uh, Ty. Ty, who is a transfer student from like New Jersey, who ends yeah. up, you know, she's from New Jersey, but she moves to LA, and she she's Jeez, like you totally, guys got coke here, yeah, totally fish out of water, kind of mimicking the whole hick hick vibe, Hicksville yeah. vibe of Harriet, who doesn't have 
you know, well-known parents or wealthy parents that Emma knows of. So she's from New Jersey. And they also have the father who I love. Oh, uh, yeah. I think, did he pass away recently? I, forget, I but, think so. Yeah. But they make him equally ridiculous, but just like in a different way. He plays this really cutthroat lawyer. Yeah. Um, And for a long time. But like who can't feed himself properly. He says ridiculous things to like Christian guy. You remember when he's like. I've got a what is it? I got like, a forty-five and a shovel. shovel. I, I doubt anyone, anyone will miss, miss you. you. Yeah. So, oh, Jeremy Sisto. Okay. That's the name yeah, of yeah. Uh, of Elton. Sorry, I'm just looking up names here. Dan Hedaya. I think he. That's the dad. That's the dad. He's really funny. He's a single parent again. Yeah. You don't. You're not really quite sure like how Emma's mom. Emma's mom's just not in the picture. Again, Cher's mom's not in the picture. In the movie, she dies of like a fluke, like. Plastic surgery. Yeah, I think that's accident. what it was. They have like a painting of her or something. <laughs> yeah. But they also have the guy. So the like. So it's set in high school. No, but the, yeah. the stoner guy. What's his face? Brecken Meyer. Yeah. 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 So it's set in high school. You have high school teachers. Well, you have I like. Different... So that's the other thing yeah. too is that the fact that it's set in high school, I think, was a good choice because the whole time you're watching Emma, the BBC adaptation, it's like, it's very well done and stuff. You're like, these people are so childish. It's like, I can't believe they're adults. But then... How immature. Yeah, but then when you adapt it to be in high school, you're like, oh yeah, actually, that makes a little more sense. (laughs) People who think they know way too much and think that they can rule the world and are completely invincible, high schoolers. Yes, totally makes sense. But also, like, people who think that they're so much smarter than high schoolers, college students. Right? Like, yeah. it's just kind of like... <laughs> That's true. But they're still kind of young and still kind of stupid, stupid but it's kind of like... Yeah. But yeah. like Josh's friend who's like misquoting Hamlet or something, you know, like... And they have all the time in the world to do to waste yeah. their time on this yeah. stuff. They don't... Yeah. So, um, sorry. Ty is played by Brittany Murphy. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Brittany Murphy. And Daisy Dash, Dion's boyfriend... Is played oh, by yeah. Donald Faison. Oh, yeah. Murray. Scrubs, scrubs. Oh, love his character so <laughs> much. Okay, so the comedy in this version is up the wazoo, right? But there's definitely moments where you're just like, also... What? No, no. Okay, so there's that moment, too, where... You remember when, when um, Josh tries dancing with Ty... Oh, and yeah. then it's like, oh, yeah, he never dances. He goes, I can see why. Yeah. And there's like a total parallel scene in, yes. in Emma. <laughs> so dancing is a really important thing in Emma, of course, in Jane Austen books and movies in particular. Dancing is the only way men and women got to touch each other, really, or were able to be alone. And so there's a clubbing scene in Clueless that's just yeah. so well done. Because the whole time, interestingly, they stick in Christian's character, who's Frank Churchill, technically, yeah. right? But they make Christian gay yeah. in the film so that he's completely untouchable. To, yeah, he's to unattainable or like he's not, they can't get together. Yeah, basically. he's not He's not an yeah. option for her. But he doesn't actually get with anyone else. There's no like Mrs. Elton counterpart in that. He's just a dead end for Cher. But the whole movie she chases Well, yeah, after like him. even Elton I don't think gets together with. Like, he doesn't get together with the Amber or anything. No, there's nothing. There's nothing. He He just doesn't get together with The whole idea of, like, getting together with someone is not. And I don't know whether that was done on purpose. Because in the clubbing scene, like, Christian, you could tell, like, he probably has a lot of different boyfriends. Well, yeah, he's like, I'm going to go hang out with these people because they have the skinny on the whatever. But you just don't ever see that part of his world. And so you just assume that he has something else going on, which is fine. So Emma, ever the matchmaker, 
in Clueless, she match makes share matchmakes with multiple people. Oh yeah, she does the, the book, teachers. She yeah. does the teachers. In the book, the... it's only like she's trying. To, she thinks she's she matchmaked Mrs. Weston. Not really. She, then she tries to go for Harriet. But in the movie, yeah, it's the teachers. So it's Miss Geist and Mr. <laughs> Hall. Mr. Hall played by Wallace Shawn, the the guy inconceivable Mancini. from Mancini. <laughs> Vincini from Princess Bride, and then Twink Kaplan plays Miss Geis, and so she matches match makes together for them, and I think then she tries to get Harriet, or rather Ty, to go with Elton, who's like part of their friend group. Elton is like one of the cooler kids at school, but of course Elton wants to get together with Cher yeah. because they have a like social standing. Yeah, they're and, both popular and yeah. rich. But you know, what I thought was a good adaptation that they did in Clueless was instead of having Harriet be attacked by peasant children or whatever, Yes, they had her like basically be hung over the edge of the banister or, or the whatever it is, the, well, the railing in the mall, yeah. which I thought made more sense. For that, like, well, and because to, like, it's the '90s and it's high school and it's LA and where do you go? Well, but I'm saying she could have she could have been very literal and been like, let's have oh, her be mugging, mugged yeah. by some poor children or something like that. But it's like, no, that doesn't make any sense, right? So it's well, and I think she, very, she she did that very deliberately to like make Harriet's or Ty's character a little bit more revealing as to like later on because in Clueless there's no Strawberry Hill scene, there's no scene where. She says something biting, and then Mr. Knightley says, very badly done. There's nothing like that. Yeah. There's no well, real counterpart. Yeah, the same it's, way. it's not quite as biting. I think sometimes Josh chastises her a little bit, but it's not like a scene. It's not like a thing where he, like, chastises her and is like, you should not do this. I think he I think he makes some offhand comic, like, maybe just stop messing in people's lives or something, yeah, you know, something like does. that. Yeah, he does. He does. But the, and I think that's something Amy Heckerling, I think, is very smart of her to do was because Cher and Dion and Ty, their friendship was really central to this film, to Clueless. Like it all revolves around their friend group and they do a makeover for Ty and they become, make her like one of the popular girls. And so there's this like core group and the ultimate betrayal, there's no Miss Bates. There's no one that they make fun of. Instead, it's like their friend group implodes and I think that's much more likely what happens in, like, girl friendships in high school. And that's why it felt so much more realistic and why it was so smart of her to do that. So the Strawberry Hill scene with Miss Bates is actually replaced with the scene where Ty gets her driver's license. And she shows up with all of um, Elton's things and she wants to burn them in the fireplace. Wait, and Ty doesn't get her driver's license it's Cher who tries to get her driver's license and she fails. fails. But, so, yeah. yeah. So she goes and she tries to burn all the stuff. And then she says, well, you know, I don't really like Mr. Elton anymore. Anyway, she has then fallen in love with Josh and she tells Cher. And then Cher, of course, because secretly this whole time, you know, she has a crush on Josh, but doesn't know it yet. Kind of says, kind of discourages her and says, oh, maybe you don't want to get with him. How do you know he really likes you? Maybe he doesn't really like, right? And so kind of breaks the girl code and like wanting to be supportive But that also happened to Emma too, where she thought that Harriet yeah. might want to try to get together with Mr. Knightley for it's a second, true. right? 
But the the breakdown of Cher's confidence and Emma's confidence about her whole world is when Ty delivers that famous line. Oh, yeah. You're a virgin who can't drive. Yeah. Why am I even listening to you? You're a virgin who can't drive. That's way harsh, Ty. <laughs> and so that way harsh moment is the thing that sparks her into then realizing, why am I... Of course, she goes on a shopping spree in Beverly Hills. But in the meantime, thinks, you know, why am I letting this get to me? Why am I so bothered by this? And then, of course, she realizes that I'm in love with Josh mm -hmm. and this Ethel scene. So that was really smartly done. I think... Smartly done, Amy. Smartly, <laughs> Smartly done. done. The whole Indeed. adaptation was like, and I think it goes back to your comment earlier, is like they didn't just transplant scenes in high school. They really thought about the whole overlying message and the characters and what would... What would make sense. What would make yeah. sense. And if Emma was a high school student named Cher, what would her world look like and how would that impact kind of the dynamics around her? And if she really was into like setting people up and thinking she knows better like she's like their benefactress right yeah. in fact she's this she doesn't know anything high school student but thinks she knows everything yeah what kind of mayhem will ensue do you want to talk briefly about Anne with an e yeah so Anne with an e is just came out last year the first season the second season was released maybe a month ago i was really looking forward to it only because I love, 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 loved the uh, Anne of Green Gables with Megan Follows and then Anne of Avonlea that came afterwards. My sister and I grew up on those. We but had also, videotapes. wasn't there a third one that was terrible, though? It oh, that was, like was way the... later. Yeah. No, I don't count that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like Godfather Part 3. It's like, we, yeah. don't, we don't talk about that. That never happened. <laughs> <laughs> but... I love the books. I read. It was like them the continuing story or something, no. right? Wasn't it called something I, like that? I don't. I don't. I don't. You I don't even acknowledge it. I barely watched it, and I no. I I. It is not part of the canon. Um, <laughs> the books, however, uh, I read all of them. I even read like the more the other Avonlea books. I even started reading like Emily of the New Moon. Like I just went on an Ellen Montgomery kick, and I read all her books. So. I know her stuff fairly well, and so when I heard they were doing a kind of more modern version, and I saw production stills from it, I was like, "Oh, this could be good. It looks it looks interesting, right?" Because the the actress that they got for Anne is, you know, very much like what you would think of as from her description in the books, mm -hmm. right? Really scrawny, red hair, yeah. freckles, little homely, but yeah. super like energetic bright-eyed like really interesting so the first season when i watched it i i only watched the first few episodes i think of the first season and then you watched the rest and you were like oh no <laughs> i saw the whole first season so i will say i tried to give it a go with the first season and i didn't and i actually i liked i liked it all until the end i like first season. you know what i liked about it was the flashbacks that they do to her time before she was adopted. Yes. It was very gritty. It was very dark. It was super dark. It reminded me a lot of the scenes from Jane Eyre when she's oh, in yeah. the orphanage and how it was very like Dickensian, how mm -hmm. horrible yeah. the living conditions were. And it it really described or it gave it gave a lot more realistic turn to the trauma and abuse 
that Anne must have gone through. Well, when she was it also younger. makes her quirky personality makes and the sense, way she yeah. deals with things make more sense. And yeah. the fact that she has so much imagination as sort of like coping strategy for things. It's her escapism, yeah, yeah to, to deal with her loneliness and her isolation. And just, frankly, the, the bullying and abuse she gets from both other girls she lives with and the adults who deal with her. So if you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix right now. But the whole second season is completely made up, right? It is. Because like the end of the first season, you were like, they just completely... So uh, let's get through it. So this is a Canadian or... production. So a lot of the cast I don't know and I haven't seen before, actually. So a lot of the people um, that I'm looking at right now, I just don't know who they are. Maybe if I watched more local Canadian television, I Maybe might Maybe if they them. made more Canadian television available in the U.S. Yes, please better. port them over to the U.S. All we get are like to... occasional sci-fi channel series and things yeah, like I'd that. Yeah, I'd like to but... see more Canadian television. But yeah. I, I, just, I just don't know a lot of the N with the E people. So I didn't have any kind of any attachment to any of the actors. I didn't know what they've done been in previously. So I kind of went in completely fresh. I'm not a fan of the music. Of the series, I hate the theme song. Oh yeah, the theme song's weird. It's so weird. I just well, I just skip it. Yes, I like the skip intro button in Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish they had a skip intro setting where you could just say yes. like, if I'm binging a series, I want to watch the intro once, and, and then that's again. it. Yeah. I don't want to have to even click the button. Just yeah. don't show it me yeah. to me again. Yeah. So I'm not a fan of the music. I will say that what I really loved about the. Megan Follows adaptations was that they really featured the landscape of Prince Edward Island and the setting. Didn't that they the film island, in Nova Scotia though? They did. <laughs> it's close enough. Though. It's supposed to be it's Prince Edward enough. Island. It's close enough. But that the island itself was a very major character in mm. in the in the um, TV series, and I really missed that in this TV adaptation. I didn't feel like it. Just feels so gritty and dark like well Adam like Lee's i think not such a it, well but that's what i mean it's fine if they did a gritty right fine no. if her past is gritty no, no, but, no, no, no. Avonlea but is i'm like, talking about the actual physicality the actual visuals yes. also look very gritty it kind of looks like a world war one movie a little bit in it, terms of the colors the color in terms of the, very yeah. gray and blue cool tones yeah it it just it doesn't not, feel warm saturated. it doesn't yeah. feel warm it doesn't feel lush no you know you don't think of her as being like happy with you know, or like she's found her new home. Like yeah. this is her new oasis. It just kind of feels like, that. oh, here's a whole bunch of dirt and mud. Yeah. Um, Which maybe that's more realistic, but it doesn't. But I. Carry but the, the story, if you're going to take it from Anne's imagination, I wish there were scenes where we could see what Anne sees. Yeah. I think that would have been a really interesting twist to like have Anovision. Because she, <laughs> she sees the world really differently. And if we're really supposed to understand her quirky, escapist imagination, like, I want to see what she sees or what she wants to see in the but world You know what her. I also didn't like in this new adaptation was I think the dynamic between her and Marilla isn't as good. Like, I think no. something about in the original one with Megan Falls, like, any interaction she had with Marilla, you could tell Marilla was kind of, like, irked. Yeah. And really kind of pissed off, but a little bit charmed. Yes. And in the new one, it just feels like she's just kind of like irked. But also not even that irked, but just kind of like, very matter of fact, but not not necessarily charmed. I don't know. There, there's not as much of a play between the characters, I feel like. It's 
Well, and Marilla's an interesting character, too, because she spent her whole life growing up taking care of her sick parents, mm -hmm. then living with her brother for all yeah. this time and never getting married, yeah. had had some kind of unsuccessful romances in the past, but with Mr. Blythe, actually. But the whole idea is you get that she's lived this life almost half-lived, that she wished, she wished she could have done other things, but her whole practicality has saved her, yeah. right? Her being so, like, hardworking and forthwith has been the thing that's, that shaped who she is. And so when she runs into Anne, who's the complete opposite, she's yeah. forced to kind of rethink her whole world outlook. And watching that interplay is what's really good about the Megan Follows version is because you slowly see Marilla kind of understand why Anne is the way she is and and appreciate that, but also still wanting to steer her head, for Anne's head, out of clouds mm -hmm. and say, hey, look, I know you love to imagine that you're on some other planet, but you got to do your chores. Like, I, I like yeah. that. And she's trying to figure out how to be a parent, too. Like, she doesn't know how to be a parent to Anne when yeah. she first gets her, right? Because Marilla's much older because Matthew's older and they need someone to help run the farm. All that to say is that I think the Megan Follows version centers very closely around the relationships of the characters, the characters and how much they care for each other. There's a sense of community in Avonlea and there's a community in the family and just people around them. But in the end with an E version, and this is what I miss the most, is that not only is it shot really coldly, mm -hmm. but you don't get a sense that like any like Marilla and Matthew like you don't they don't feel like brother and sister that no. they've lived together for a long time. You don't get a sense that like Mrs. Mrs. Miss Lind and like all the other neighborly people in Avonlea like you don't ever get a sense that like these are people who've grown up with each other for generations yeah. in this small town. And that's what I miss the most is like your lens into this charming world, even if it does have really gritty realistic and horrible dark side to it you also don't have the other part and it doesn't balance mm -hmm. it well and that's what you I know miss. what i wish they'd done because i know you got kind of frustrated and really sort of fast forwarding and then just not essentially not watching the second season but i was so mad I, I thought that it was actually very well done but just don't don't pretend it's in a heavenly though like yeah. you know what i mean like just create a tv series called early 20th century Canada <laughs> or something you know that's a great title for a TV show. <laughs> you know but but I'm just saying like just make up some characters and have yeah. some grifters come into town to try and you know like just because they just be, essentially just made up some random storylines anyway right so well even in like, the first season they take such liberties with everything that goes on but I'm saying then don't tie it to the books then just say we're going to create a TV series that takes place in the time of wherever okay, whatever it is right tables, yeah and then just create totally new characters and just have like your own universe then it's because yeah, i think why why call it Anne with an e when you barely in fact they should just call it Anne without an e <laughs> i think that'd be pretty cool that's the biggest insult to Anne ever <laughs> is to write her name without an e yeah I, the second season i was so at the end or of the... you could call it shirley not Anne. yeah shirley <laughs> just call this tv show shirley <laughs> <laughs> so when the end of the first season, I was kind of shocked because, first of all, Blythe, Mr. Blythe dies really suddenly. Mm. And you're like, what? And then Gilbert Blythe all of a sudden decides 
he's gonna up and leave. Oh yeah, and, like, he's go like, I'm gonna go else. travel the world. I'm gonna and... travel the world, and then he just leaves Avonlea, and there's no scenes of them schooling together. There's no sense of like competition. What's going? On. Like all of the yeah. school scenes are so much fun. Yeah. In the books, right? But again, that's them. why not just create a completely different <sighs> I know, series? I don't just understand. Say, just call it random boy who travels and random girl who. You know stays what I think? And... It I think it's because the producers of the probably know how beloved the Megan follows then all is. the more reason to and just there's create no a way they can compete then with it. all the more reason to just create a completely different series then I I just don't understand I at the end of the first season why all of a sudden Green Gables turns into a boarding house and then Gilbert Blythe moves away it, and then so it's going into the strange. second season I was just like I don't know what the hell's going on at this point this is like a weird show so I watched the first four episodes i really did try to yeah. watch the first four episodes i was angry through most of them but you would you have been <laughs> but i'm saying would you have been angry if it didn't pretend to be anne of avonlea if no. it was just like some if random it, tv series if it wasn't anne of avonlea actually gilbert's storyline where he goes to um the, the caribbean the whatever, caribbean yeah. and the different ports and yeah. understands like the, but the not effects gilbert. of the slave just train. random white boy not gilbert yes random white boy who went and like learned outside of his small town in Canada yeah. the realities and the ugliness of yeah. the slave trade yeah. and the rum trade and yeah. all that stuff, and working having to work for the first time in yeah. his life in a in a ship and understanding like this is someone's livelihood for years and years and like it that was really interesting. Yeah, and but I'm it's saying, not Anne of Green Gables. Yeah, and I'm saying they could have just made a lot of these storylines which don't follow the book anyway. Into just some random other series that just has nothing to do with those characters. Yeah. And the whole grifter thing, that was so weird. It but dragged on for way too long. It was okay. I just... So, uh, so yeah, we're going to... So, gonna I stopped say, and I couldn't finish watching we're season We're going to have to two. say no to Anne with the Yeah, movie. I'm so sorry. I know there are probably <laughs> people out there who love this show. If they do, I'm just saying it's not Anne Green Gables. It is not Ellen Montgomery. If you want the real taste of that... Watch the Megan Follows version. It's way better. A lot of famous Canadian actors are in that. Also some guys from Kids in the Hall are in it. <laughs> because they're Canadian. Because they're Canadian. But I it just, they're, I don't know. But I think the charm of Anna Green Gables is something that you can make realistic and somewhat gritty. But you can't sap it altogether and not put any of the kind of growing up hijinks yeah. in, right? The whole scene where she like, gets Diana just, drunk. Yeah. Like all of those fun things. Or even like, like her dyeing her hair. It was not as fun no, in the new No, the dyeing the hair scene was not funny. The the whole the whole idea of like having a dress with puff sleeves and like oh, yeah, the, the stupid sleeves. like the stupid little things that kids get obsessed with and yeah, and just Anne being smart. Yeah. Like that I missed, right? Yeah. That she's a kid who came from nowhere, whose parents die, and she has nothing in the world for her, but she's smart. Yeah. And I think that story is so endearing in that she really gets through the world because she has imagination, she is flexible, she's passionate, and she's smart. And I think, and she survives, right? She's a survivor. And I think the end with an E series just completely obliterates that. And you don't get a sense of anything. You just get a sense of her trauma and her PTSD, which I'm sure, granted, she has. But 
the great message of Anne Green Gables is that she's able to overcome that. But you don't get any of that. You, there's yeah. no payoff. And maybe there'll be a season three. I, I don't, don't think we're going to watch that. I'm not going to watch it because <laughs> God knows what's going to happen. I, I'm okay with Megan Follows as my Anne. You've been listening to another Hidden Messages podcast. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook. And make sure you send us a message on our website at hiddenmessagespodcast.com for any future episode suggestions or comments you'd like to send us. We'd love to hear from you. 